you are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. Thank you for joining us for another Echo Church Podcast. This is part two of Pastor Andy and the infamous Tom Flesen's conversation on Psalm 23. If you have yet to listen to the previous one, I would recommend hitting pause and going back for a little bit more clarity and understanding. Now, if you're not an avid Bible app listener, you may not understand Tom's reading of Psalm 23. However, if you are, we hope you'll understand the humor and the heart behind it. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, in the here presence I see... of my enemies. What's the hat? In the presence of my enemies. Yeah, well, we're getting there. Oh, okay. And the eight doesn't have... Oh, oh okay. I'm skipping ahead. Well, yeah, the enemies, they can tie in. But specifically, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think of eights and their strength. And now, you obviously have, you have more knowledge on the what some of the shepherd terminology means. But from what I understand, your rod and staff, are they two different things? Like, is the rod used as protection, you know, to fight off threats? And is the staff used more to guide or correct? The shepherd's hook. So it's one thing? Potentially, and it could be two different things, but the shepherd's hook is very unique to this drawing in of sorts to sheep. So if there was a, a sheep that wants to do what it wants to do, the staff had the ability to to bring it in. Right. The rod would play a role in breaking a leg for a wandering sheep. Okay. And if there's which ever a number sounds, who will just break someone's leg, it'd probably be an eight. Which sounds really, you know, pretty <laughs> drastic. But that's an attribute of God that, you know, some of us even right now going through what we're going through and the changes and ever-changing landscape, my prayer is, Lord, break me if you need to. Like if there were certain ways or thoughts or habits of mine that were detrimental to my own health, I would hope that God would do what he needs to do to redirect my path. Right. And so again, it's a sheep. And what I understand again, and I'm not, you know, you said I know more than you, probably not. Number two, uh, there's other people that know a lot more about this, but what I understand is, yeah, like a wayward sheep, if there was a a repetitive straying away, they would consider breaking the leg in order to have it become so attached 
to the shepherd that after it healed, it wouldn't wander away anymore, which what a vivid picture. Get this, the shepherd breaks a leg, but then guess what the shepherd gets to do for the next three months? Carry that sheep? Yep. <laughs> so yeah, this this is talking about the strength of the shepherd here. Well, you know, when I think about an eight, and I think, you know, you can pick on me if you want, the eight has this internal compass. And the eight's not afraid of doing what they need to do for the betterment of a person or an organization of the world. Right. They're the ones who will have the difficult conversations, the difficult, handle the difficult. And and, and typically, if they're a healthy eight, they're going to do it with the right motive so that it would help the person. I've had, I mean, again, I know I have strong eight. And like, you know, Tom, we go back and forth. I know I resonate in the gut triad which means you're eight, nine, and one. I know I'm there. We can talk about my underlining stories if you want to hear, you know, some of the messaging of my my youth. But as an eight, I have, I've repetitively addressed people with the motive of trying to help them. Although in the addressing, I sit there cautiously with this understanding and a lot of empathy that it's going to be hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. being a youth pastor... Man, I had some conversations, and some of those revolved around hygiene. And oh. as a young kid, I was super sensitive to to being like called out in public and shamed in front of people. I never liked that. Yeah, I don't think anybody likes that. <laughs> Last time I checked, um, but so I'm super empathetic, if if that's a word. I fall of empathy when I address people. But it really, like, I address them when I really feel like, hey, man, you're getting your own way, and I think I can help you navigate around some of these small but yet meaningful things within our culture Right. when it comes to hygiene, things like that. So, I mean, obviously more than hygiene, hygiene, but it's just an example. Yeah. What's your gut reaction? Well, if you're talking about how that, you know, relates to the shepherd who will break the I mean, their eights are more than any of the other numbers, willing to be the bad guy in order to help their people, their flock. They're the the challengers, the but they're also, you know, they're the protectors. Before this, I was looking up some different translations in an amplified Bible. They say, your rod to protect and your staff to guide. They comfort mm. me. And, and that the, the idea of Protecting and guiding or, or being a protector and a leader is such an eight mm-hmm. description. And two, you know, so eights lots of times can come across as aggressive or intimidating. And if they're unhealthy, kind of bullies. But I think what's interesting is here, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so his protection and leading and strength actually brings comfort to his flock. So I think, you know, if you're a parent and you're an eight, that's the goal, right? Is that your flock, or if even if, even if you're not a parent and you have your quote unquote flock, your close friends and, your and cronies. family. What? Your cronies. <laughs> yeah, your cronies. Your Instagram followers, um, your TikTok yeah, you, crew. you are the protector, you're the provider, you're the leader, but ultimately you want it, you want to be that protector so that your family or friends feels 
comfort, not fear or intimidation, you know? Yeah. I mean, my theory, and again, I, I'm speaking to my own self, you know, knowing that I have a high eight, I think that eight might be, I feel like there's a contrast from health to non-health more than any other yeah. Enneagram that an eight can help so much, but he mm-hmm. has the equal ability to hurt even worse. Right. Uh, hurt, hurt those around uh, him or her. And so I, th- I think the eight there, there, yeah, there is a lot of authority. There's a lot of, a lot of things upon their shoulders figuratively, you know, and non figuratively. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think I, I would encourage eights. If you have a high eight, man, seek health and be honest with self about those, some of those attributes. Cause I think the eight, like I said, because you have a rod and you have a staff and because of the cardinal sin being lust, again, not directly just talking about sexual lust, but maybe lust for power. Mm-hmm. There's intensity. There's an intensity. I mean, you have the rod in your hand. And um, boy, if you break too many sheep's legs, you won't be able to carry them all. So what does that mean? <laughs> you leave a bunch of carnage behind you. And that yeah. is not the goal of an eight. The goal is to to uh, be led by the spirit, to step up, to speak up in the right moments, in the right time with the right people. Yeah. Can I hear an amen? Amen. (laughs) We got two more, Tom. What do we got? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Here I think of the Enneagram 2, the most loving number, the, 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 the servant, uh, the most serving number, you know, preparing a table, anointing my head with oil. Like it, that just, yeah, I just think of the the two, the the helper, the giver, the lover. Maybe not the lover, but. <laughs> <laughs> Your lover? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so when it comes to you anoint my head with oil and you prepare a table for me, I think of two stories in the Bible with Jesus. One being Jesus at the table and Mary and Martha are in the house. Yeah. And one is sitting at the table, just sitting back, enjoying the moment. And then I think it was Martha is the one that's working. Or is it Mary? I'm a pastor. I should mm-hmm. know this. You know, but one of them is like super angry. And the Lord's like, uh, if you knew who was here, you'd probably chill out and come yeah. sit by me. <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of I see a lot of two in my wife. Yeah. The second scripture that I think of is the woman who breaks the jar of perfume mm-hmm. and anoints Jesus's head. So I just, I love that interconnection stuff where you read Psalms 23 and you can see the story about Mary and Martha and, and Jesus's loving rebuke in essence, right? Of the two and very eight moment, right? Jesus is like, Hey, there's something more important here, but I think he could speak to a two because again, we know the Enneagram moves from an eight to two. And so he could say it in a way with the right motive and make, make that impact. And then I also think about the, the woman who poured oil over Jesus's feet and his head and the Pharisees or some of the people around him, the religious leaders, they were like, man, what a waste. And even his disciples were like, why did we just give that to the poor? And, um, Jesus embraces the two there and he says, no, 
what she's done will be written and remembered for all time. So the two and people who are twos, man, they're doing things that are impacting people for their whole entire life. And that is such an amazing gift that they have. But the flip side, if they're finding their identity and what they do, that's where things get a little sketchy, right? And I think that's the contrasting stories of Mary and Martha and then the woman who put the perfume. Mm -hmm. The woman who put the perfume over Jesus was a form of worship. And quite possibly Mary and Martha in the house, that was a form of work. And if you're doing this for work, then you're doing this for potentially being seen or to gain an accolade. Yeah, I think that's that's good. And, and I think, too, of how often Jesus had two qualities as well. I mean, you think of him washing the disciples' feet, mm. being the that servant position. I mean, that's just, that's just all two right there. Jesus touching everything unclean. Everyone yeah. unclean, a very, very nurse yes, to yes, yes, type of yep, yep. Uh, deals there. And so, uh, yeah, how cool, man. It's it's awesome. Obviously, Jesus has and presents every number. But yeah, it's really easy to find a two attribute. Okay, man, let's hit me up with the last one here. All right. My last one was my cup overflows. And for this one, I put the three for my cup overflows because threes are, they're so marked by achievement and success. And so I I have that picture of an overflowing cup and just how a three can achieve. And to be honest, this was, this was kind of the hardest, hardest one for me to place as far as, you know, what number this might, might be. But the more I thought on it too, threes are often looking outside for, you know, to be, to find value from their successes or achievements. And I think this is such a good reminder that they ultimately find value and they're ultimately finding their cup being filled by God. And it's God Mm -hmm. who is overflowing their cup and their cup will not be overflowed by what they're achieving in their career or how good their social media looks or, you know, Mm. whatever. So the more I thought of it, I I think, I think it's a good fit, but yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on that, on that too. Yeah. I I see two, two different connections with the three and the cup overflows. I, number one, I see that a number three, it would be very important to have this imagery of having everything and more, that they've mm-hmm. got this figured out. There's this, you know, they they present everything is perfect. Yeah. I'm married to a three, and oh, she's going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this, like, the best way I can explain Christy's personality to a T, now she's beautiful, so many awesome attributes. But the one thing that drives me nuts and again, I, again, resonate high on a one as well. So I think there's, there's a right way to do things, you know, a good way to do things. So when, when I get in bed almost every night, the bed is made, but the under sheet is just stuffed under there. <laughs> and I think that's like the perfect picture of a three 
that on the outside, it looks great. Yeah. But on the inside, it's not so great. Right. It's not the way it should be exactly. So, because they'll cut corners and yep. um, do things. Yeah, the, so the appearance of perfection. Yeah. So, I, again, Christy won't kill me because that illustration is not that bad. But there is some, you know, how in every relationship, there's that little pet peeve. That was an S, that's in essence that. But I think it's this picture of a number three, this cup of like, hey, no, my my cup is overflowing, you know, and I can yeah. just see the splattering of everything because they're vibrant. They're fun loving. Everybody wants to be around them. Yeah. But the three doesn't want to be around themselves mm, mm-hmm. sometimes when no one else is there. So I, I see that. The second thing, the second kind of picture I see is what's in that cup, Tom? In David's imagery, what do you think in his day, you know, what was in the cup? Wine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's wine, man. You know, like threes just, you know, like they, they're party time. You know, they're, they, they, yeah. if they have, if there's a seven and a three in the room, man, oh, you, yeah. you're, you're not getting yeah. a word in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I see a lot of three and seven. Yeah. Similarities. And this, this could for sure be a seven too. You know, my cup overflows. That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, has a lot of seven in it too. But yeah, definitely with like threes are, like threes and sevens tend to be the life of the party, it seems. Yeah, and I think with the cup overflowing, the the three and the messaging that they need to be reminded of is it's it's okay to not be overflowing. Mm-hmm. Number two, that the Lord has made them to overflow. And the best thing they can give to the world is an honest picture. Yeah. And the best impact that they can make is when they have this legit, honest picture of who they are and who they can be in the world and and be less concerned about what everybody else thinks about them. Yeah. And I've seen my wife operate in that, you know, stepping into the lead pastor positions, you know, the position of of Echo Church. She's had to make some really hard phone calls that before she really, you know, was never really put in that position because she wasn't necessarily she was on the team but not on the team if if that makes sense. And so I've seen her make some some really huge leaps in understanding that she's simply not going to please everybody. But if she leads with integrity and truth and doesn't just, they have a way of saying things really nice. If they can be truthful, man, there's a lot of, a lot of good in that. Any concluding thoughts on the three, Tom? No. So is having an overflowing cup in, in that day a symbol of like a status symbol. like What's the sin of a three? Deceit. Because, yeah, so like Jacob in the Bible, they say like a good picture of a three. He's kind of a deceiver. So if the sin, the cardinal sin, whatever, is deceit, what the three wants to do is present this cup that's overflowing. But the truth is, you know, and again, every human being is kind of like this. That's not really the case. And, but what an awesome promise that the Lord wants to give them an overflowing cup, that there is hope yeah. that they lean in and that the God, that what they want to present, they can actually live if they're leaning on the good shepherd. Well, my concluding thoughts are that, you know, Psalm 23, I mean, it's it's so well known. It's, it's one of my favorites, too, just to kind of dig in slowly, kind of like what we just did. But then you go to John chapter 10 and you know, kind of revealed that it's actually talking about Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is saying he's the the good shepherd. 
And so I think with the Enneagram and looking at at Jesus, like we kind of have already touched in this conversation that Jesus is no one number. Like if you look at the star of the Enneagram, he would be in the in the center. And when you read through the Gospels, you can kind of do what we just did with the Psalm and just find all the different times when he's bouncing between different you know, personality types, which he made such an interesting figure to read about because on, at, at one point he's, you know, being very, acting like a five and is very, you know, asking questions like talked about and very wise or is withdrawing, you know, like a five would. And then the next time you see him, he's overturning tables in the temple like an eight would or. That'd be so fun. Or he's he's being a two, like we talked about, you know, washing feet, but then being like a seven, turning water into wine. They're more, more of an instance of Jesus yeah, being a seven. Than you know, that. as a seven, a seven and a three, everybody wants to be around Jesus. Yeah. You know, a six, he's sitting there in, in the garden and he's saying, Lord, if you can take this cup from me. Yeah. Do yeah. it. So I think, you know... What we just did is something that anyone can do with that Enneagram knowledge of just finding, you know, ways that, that God or, or Jesus show the different personality types. And, and ultimately, with the Enneagram, we all have attributes of each number. And the goal is to move to that center, to be kind of a more balanced person, move to the center, which, you know, also means becoming more like Jesus. Yeah, and I think I think the way I'd like to say that is our goal is that Jesus would move to our center. Mm, mm-hmm. That he would be in the center of our being. And as he is there, as he's the shepherd that guides us, he's the good father, you know, that ultimately as we continue to walk with him, that he will continue to the good work that he started until as scriptures say, the day of Christ Jesus. And I think that's the journey we're on. In fact, we just got done talking in a Zoom meeting, and in Second Peter 1, 5, it says, for this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith. And that word try your hardest gives me this idea that we serve a God that's patient and understanding, and that we want to furnish our three-type being which is soul, mind, and heart, that God wants to reside in every single one of those areas of our life. And so when I, when I look and we talk about Psalms 23, if we're looking at Luke 11 and the Lord's Prayer, I actually do believe that if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it might not be exactly easy to figure out where the attributes of God, they're there. We would just have to spend another two hours talking about it to maybe pull a few things out. But it's just a really awesome picture of who we can be Yeah. as we continue to allow Jesus in every area of our lives. And I think that's the importance of, of allowing God to clean the mirror and that we don't need to be fearful in using a tool that's called the Enneagram to help just define and articulate some of those intrinsic things that we can't bring words to. So I found it extremely helpful. But as we've said a bunch of times, we don't believe that the Enneagram is the ticket. Jesus is. So let's use this tool, but let's not read the Enneagram into the Bible, but let's read the Bible 
into us. Yeah. And not place this Enneagram to the top, place the Word to the top, God's Word, and allow Him to, uh, and the Holy Spirit to be that guide, that comforter. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. If you have any questions or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hey at wearetheecho.church. Also, we want to invite you to join us on Sundays. We are streaming our services on Facebook and YouTube at 9 a.m. U.S. Central Time. This episode was produced and mixed by Just Hit Publish Productions. 